The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, hour three, or as I like to call it, the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is Senior Vice President at PETA. Her name is uh, Daphna Nakminovich. I think I'm saying that right, but she joins me now by phone. Hi, Daphna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Tom. Good morning. Did I say your name okay? You sure did. Good, good. I'm glad. Um, Is it true that you got your job at PETA by pressing 7 on the phone? I'm sorry? (laughs) Is it true that you you ended up working at PETA because you pushed 7 on the phone? (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Yes, it is actually true. It's exactly true. I called PETA... Uh, 23 and some years ago uh, about a a pet shop in Chicago where I was living and I was working with someone in the cruelty investigations department at the time and I would call after hours to leave her updates and I called one day job opportunity press seven and that's what I did and and when did you first get interested in uh, animal cruelty and and rescuing animals Sure. Well, you know, I mean, I was one of those kids who always brought the straight cats home. So it's always uh, been a sort of, you know, a, a, a lifelong theme. But I got more into animal rights when I was about 16. I, I sort of made a connection between the dogs that uh, my family considered companion animals and then the animals who ended up on my plate. And I made the decision to go vegetarian. And my dad had a good laugh and said he gave me a week. <laughs> and uh, I, I proved him wrong. And I'm, uh, of course, now I'm vegan. And I moved to work for PETA in September of 1997, and I never looked back. Um, and you were born in Israel? I was born and raised in Israel. I left Israel when I was 11 years old. Uh, my parents, you know, I was attached to them, and my dad got a job. Uh, through an Israeli company working in Ivory Coast, Africa. So we moved there, and then um, 
moved to France for one year, and then we landed in the States when I was 16. And that's when you started uh, uh, thinking about being a vegan and, and basically forming the, the appreciation for animal protection that was going to define your career. I think so, yes, exactly. And, you know, I, I came to the States, and I somehow learned about PETA. I don't remember how, and I sent in my $16 annual membership fee and would wait anxiously for the PETA Animal Times to reach my mailbox. And, you know, when I graduated college, I worked at an animal shelter for a few years. And, you know, then, you know, it ended up that I called PETA about this pet store and realized, hey, I could go work there, you know. And so, yeah, it all unfolded quite serendipitously. Serendipitously. And and, and you've um and and you've really sort of um focused on the on the front lines of abused and neglected dogs, cats and, and other companion animals. I have, you know, I have a fire in my belly for these things and I um I'm a big fan of justice and I don't like to see um any vulnerable being abused or neglected or exploited. And so, you know, I think I landed in the right role at PETA because I'm a very determined individual. And so um, if I see something wrong, I, I try to fix it to the best of my ability. And I'm lucky to work with like-minded, hardworking people who care very deeply, not just about animals, but just you know, about people who are also down on their luck and about our planet and all these things and just making the world a kinder place for everybody, a, a kinder, nonviolent place for animals and people alike. And in our daily work in the field, we see a lot of poverty and a lot of not just neglected animals, but children who, you know, don't have it good. <laughs> so we're out there trying to make the world a better place for everyone we encounter. It I, I just under, so happens that, yeah, go ahead. I understand the, the, the victories and the rewards when you get legislatures to, to pass uh, stricter laws about cruelty to animals and, and when you're able to rescue animals. But I would think seeing some of the horrible conditions and some of the horrible treatment that some animals get, I would think that would be awfully depressing, Daphne. <laughs> it is. It is awfully depressing. How do, you, think, how do you keep going? Well, you you keep going because you're surrounded by other people who keep going, and you keep going because there are victories and rewards along the way. And most importantly, I think, you know, you keep going because, from my perspective, and this is something I learned when I was working actually at the Anti-Cruelty Society in Chicago. It's, it's a large uh, shelter, animal shelter. And I sort of thought, you know, these terrible things are going to be happening to these creatures. And whether I see it or not, only it uh, impacts me, right? So if I subject myself to being involved, I mean, it is a sacrifice, but it makes a difference to that individual animal. So if I know I made something better, even if, you know, it's after horrible things have happened to that individual animal, 
then I've done what I can. Um, so you, you just have to keep going. And, and I will say, you know, I started at PETA in September of 1997. We had 500,000 members and supporters. Today we have 6.5 million members and supporters. I wow. started as a cruelty caseworker. People were not going to jail when they starved their animals to death or beat their animals to death. Animal abuse and animal neglect were not being taken as seriously as they are today. And today, you know, we recently had a significant victory in getting um, uh, prosecutors in Oregon to file cruelty charges against individuals who are accused of setting fires that either caused or contributed to the wildfires, um, to certain wildfires. And that just shows you how far along we've come, is that we're looking at the crime of, rightfully looking at the crime of cruelty to animals as a serious crime. And as you, you, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people know now, you know, the FBI was doing that years ago. The American Psychiatric Association was doing that years ago. Cruelty to animals has always been considered um, a sort of symptom of personality disorders. Because, you know, if you do something like that, then you need help. So I've, I've, I will say things, things are coming along. We're definitely not where we need to be. But you keep going because you see the difference and you know that you're part of that. And that's exciting, you know. Well, with Thanksgiving coming up this week and at the risk of ruin, ru- ruining someone's Thanksgiving <laughs> meal, um, I, I thought I might uh, ask you about the uh, turkey farm investigation. Oh sure, yeah. So we um, one of my <laughs> one of my duties at PETA is overseeing our undercover investigations. And most people who know about PETA may not know about our hands-on work in the field for dogs and cats, but they probably heard about our undercover investigations. And we usually we send people in to work in industries that abuse and exploit animals and see if there is anything to be concerned about. And ten times out of ten, there is. And we did a, an investigation in 2008 of a place called Avigen in West Virginia. It's a massive uh, turkey factory farm where we uncovered horrible, not just daily neglect of these animals being deprived of everything that's natural and normal to them by virtue of being bred for the purpose of being killed, really, but also uh, vicious terrible abuse by the individuals who worked at the farm, slamming them into cages, beating them. One guy bragged about uh, shoving a broomstick down the throat of a turkey, just things that you just could not imagine. And so we did uh, expose that place and we got a first in that felony cruelty to animal charges for the first time ever were filed against the people responsible for abusing factory farmed birds which had not happened previously can uh, can things like like we'll talk about turkeys because it's the week of thanksgiving but can turkeys be bred and ultimately slaughtered for the purpose of ending up on someone's thanksgiving table in a in a responsible humane way i i know the choice for you has been you know not not to eat meat um, for for that very reason, but but are there ways to do it that that would be more acceptable? Well, sure. I mean, I think that the 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 question is a good question, and I would say, are there ways to do it that are less unacceptable? But I I I, 
you know, we, we want people to go vegan because of factory farming and how these animals are treated, raised, bred, and slaughtered. If your heart is set on, I mean, uh, to me, it's, you don't know unless you do, if you, if you are able to go out and slaughter an animal yourself and look that animal in the eye and know, you know, say that that animal had freedom until his or her last minute, you know, if you're, if, if an individual is comfortable with that, is that quote unquote better than buying a factory farm turkey at the grocery store? So conveniently packaged and you don't have to sort of think about things it's less suffering for the bird and that's what matters i think the less suffering we inflict on animals yes the better off we are the better off they are so i i you know while we most certainly promote meat-free meals and i know some people have a hard time with that and we're all you know not all of us are i mean we're all at different stages you know it took me nine years to go vegan after I went vegetarian. And I, even though, you know, I knew it was the right thing to do, you know, probably a lot sooner than I did it. So I think if people are trying to be ethical, they should look at what's available in their own backyard, but know that if they're buying a turkey from the grocery store, they are contributing to a tremendous amount of suffering. Uh, And, you know, these birds being treated like inanimate objects, you know, and they, they really, for these animals in the meat industry, the best thing that happens to them is that they die. I mean, they're li- they don't have lives. They're simply bred to be fattened up for slaughter. So they don't have any moments of, of normalcy or joy or, you know, being with their families or just enjoying what they would in the wild, if you will. It's obviously a lot different than the sort of Norman Rockwell version that we have in our minds of uh you know dad going out you know on the farm and and there's a turkey and you know he cuts the head off the turkey and they clean the turkey and have it for thanksgiving that's that's sort of the way we picture it it's almost like part of the tradition but that's not that's not what's happening when we go to the meat counter at the grocery store no, it's not what's happening. If it ended up, you know, if, if the animal ended up in your local grocery store, he or she came from a place like Avigen where, you know, they, they, they're they considered a piece of meat from the moment that they're born. You know, their only purpose is to be grown for that reason. So, yeah, it's a far cry from this sort of bucolic image um, that you mentioned, for sure. Um. I have a break coming up here in a minute, Daphna. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? I want to get Ab- into... Absolutely, I would love to. Good. I want to get into um, the the new documentary, Breaking the Chain, and some other things. My guest is uh, Daphna Nakminovich from uh, PETA, and uh, it's, I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe a little time sensitive. <laughs> Maybe we can save a couple of turkeys before Thanksgiving. <laughs> but uh, I would we, love that. We are going to take a uh, a short break and let our broadcast partners at WFOV ninety two point one FM, our voices radio in Flint, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram dot com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with uh, more with Daphna right after this.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. 
The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is uh, Senior Vice President at PETA, Daphna Nakminovich. Daphna, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sure, thank you. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, about turkey farms and and the uh, upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. Um, are there some companies that are better than others for people who maybe are doing some last minute shopping to pick up a bird for Thanksgiving? Oh gosh, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I think the only companies that I could recommend are you know the the want tofurkey and gardein and and these plant-based uh options for thanksgiving we are having a special campaign too called thanks vegan and some grocery stores are participating in that oh cool and um yeah and so um you can look for the thanks vegan logo but there there are um a variety of nationwide uh, grocery stores that are participating in that and i actually um I'm in the country right now and went to a local Kroger and saw that they had the Gardein stuffed tofurkey in their freezer, you know, just a regular old Kroger. So those options are there. You know, I, I can think of, of no company that you, you know, can feel good about um, buying a, a, a bird from uh, that isn't, you know, uh, that isn't factory farmed and, and had a, a, a horrible life. Do you, so do I, you I, celebrate I Thanksgiving? Um, I do. I celebrate it with food. <laughs> we love to eat. Well, um, I was going to so ask, what is a it, yeah. what is a vegan Thanksgiving feast look like? Oh, sure. Well, acorn squash and either tofurkey or some other, you know, plant-based alternative. Um, and I always like to throw in some potatoes because they go with everything. Um, <laughs> yes, and, they do. You know, so, yes, they do. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we generally stick to sort of like fall-themed um, foods, you know, like uh, acorn squash, pumpkin flavored things. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we love to celebrate it, and and uh, you know, certainly take pleasure in celebrating it without any animals. But but you use um, something to substitute for the bird. I find that interesting. Yes, um, I do, and many other people do, and and I think you know, for me. More than just the flavor of the plant-based substitute, I like to support the companies that are putting these products out there. I think it's really important to, you know, put your money where your mouth is and be a compassionate consumer. So I, I do try to support those companies. Um, I, I, you know, being Israeli, obviously I didn't grow up celebrating Thanksgiving, so it's more of a, um, for me, it's like a learned tradition, you know, that yeah. I... I you know, adopted after moving to the States and becoming an American. Um, but I, you know, I love the tradition of it. And I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful time of the year to, to spend with family. I just, of course, my heart always thinks thinking about what it means for turkeys because the statistic we have shows that, um, you know, 45 million turkeys um, are slaughtered before Thanksgiving just to end up on people's plates. So, Every single one of those, you know, makes a difference. It makes a difference if you if you give it up. Uh, and I think just you know the the progression that we've made on the plant based front since I started at PETA. You know, we 
it was difficult to find plant-based milks or vegan foods at grocery stores. You'd have, you'd have to go to your local health food store. And now, you know, as I mentioned, you go to any grocery store and you're going to find uh, vegan milk alternatives and vegan meat alternatives and vegan cheese alternatives. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, I'm, I go to the local Walmart here and I can find, uh, you know, vegan cheese, uh, all, all sorts of plant-based alternatives to meats. And it, it really makes my heart sink to see that, that industry bloom. Well, I think um, what's happened is just as the membership in PETA has grown, um, you know, significantly over the last couple of decades, um, so has the awareness and consumer demand for those products, which is why I think you're seeing them in Kroger and Walmart and some of these uh, big box places. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's a that's you know that's wonderful. I think that people have raised awareness about what it means to animals to eat them, but also the health implications and the 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 implications for our planet. You know, with factory farming and our carbon footprint. I mean, all of that stuff that people are you know becoming more aware and concerned about those things and. So I think that those industries have bloomed for all those reasons, compassion for animals, health consciousness, and just the desire to preserve, you know, our our Mother Earth. <laughs> yeah, you, you were in Chicago when you joined uh, PETA. Are you still there? No, I, I moved to Virginia when I started working at PETA, so I'm in Virginia now. But you've spent time in the Midwest, and, and I, yes. I, I find it kind of interesting because you mentioned... Uh, potatoes and how potatoes go with everything <laughs> i i've uh, always lived you know in in kind of a midwest mindset and it doesn't feel like a meal to me unless there's meat and potatoes <laughs> well there you go i mean i like the potatoes part of that for sure but but, but i think it's <laughs> interesting and and a little bit midwestern that you actually have a bird substitute so there is you know sort of a uh, you know a mock meat and potatoes I, I just I find that I, I don't know somehow uh, familiar <laughs> yeah good I'm glad to hear it um, I, now I mentioned before uh, before we went to break during the last segment that I wanted to talk about the uh, the new hour-long documentary breaking the chain and the work that uh, that you're doing, and and with uh, producer Angelica Houston, um, tell me about breaking the chain. What is that all about? Sure. So breaking the chain is, as you say, a one-hour-long documentary about PETA's work in the field in southeastern Virginia and northeastern North Carolina. We're very fortunate that it was executive produced by Angelica Houston, who has a a soft spot for for that kind of work, as do I. Yeah, I and imagine people follows... return her calls. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. <laughs> she's an icon, and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And this uh, this documentary is it's only an hour, but it should give viewers, you know, a a a real glimpse into what's out there. You know, we go out into the field in poverty stricken areas surrounding our uh, Norfolk, Virginia headquarters. And we render aid to animals who 
most of whom are kept outdoors 24-7. So the vast majority of animals we serve through this program are dogs who are kept chained or penned outside 24 hours a day, no matter the weather. Um, and so we have, as you mentioned earlier, I've been working with legislators statewide and locally to try and address some of the situations that we find out there and make it illegal for people to keep animals tethered 24-7 because it's inhumane and it's unnatural. And um, and we've had some success, but we have um, a long road ahead of us because some of the areas that we are trying to work with um, are impoverished and rural and have a lot of other issues that they are concerned about. But, you know, it took us eight years to pass an ordinance in one of the counties that we serve, and now it's passed, and now they're finally starting to enforce it, and it's making a difference. So persistence and perseverance, you know, paid off. Um, the documentary follows the stories of a few individual animals as well as the field workers who visit with them and, um, you know, sheds light on who the victims of animal overpopulation and homelessness and neglect are because I think people hear about animal overpopulation or animal homelessness and it's hard to put a face to that crisis. Uh, but this movie will certainly do that. And I think the most important thing uh, that this movie does is tell people how they can make a difference, you know, and it's not difficult. It really isn't. Um, so I encourage people to watch the movie. It's actually free now for Prime subscribers, which is fantastic. So if you have Prime Video, it's free, and it's called Breaking the Chain, and you can see more online at breakingthechainfilm.com. And it's only 99 cents on other platforms, at least through December 9th. So if you don't have Prime Video, but you have Hulu or Netflix or Vimeo, those um, it's only 99 cents. Um, is this a, a one-off, or is Breaking the Chain part of a series? It's a one-off. It's a one-off for now. I don't know if we'll ever end up doing a series, but um, it's been a labor of love, and for now it's it's the movie to watch. <laughs> was was it was it a little tough to do um, Daphna during the the pandemic, or was most of the the early production done before the pandemic hit? Oh, it was done. Most of it was done before the pandemic hit. But I will say that we have not slowed down since the pandemic, and we have adapted, uh, just like you know everyone else has had to sure. adapt. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you know, our call volume increased. So, yeah. you know, people who were down and out were, I mean, they were already down and out, but then if they had a job, they lost it or they couldn't go. Or So we got uh, more calls for help than we had previously. And we did several food drives and uh, worked with our local food bank to help people feed their companion animals. But also we give food out in the field. So we you know, we never missed a day. I mean, we're still on call 24 hours a day and we go out, we just have our masks on and we sanitize and we're very careful and knock on wood so far so good. Our, uh, we just adjusted a few things and split into teams so we would have coverage and less exposure if somebody got exposed and that kind of thing. But our, uh, our local program is going strong and our, our spay neuter mobile units never stopped. We did drive through check-in for a few weeks. A uh, few months, probably, actually, and you know, 
it, we just adapted. Um, Not really so a I'm job you can say. do from home. No, <laughs> right. Uh, while most of PETA's employees were able to go remote, our hands-on people don't have that option. So they're still they're still going strong. Speaking of the hands-on activity, you know, we we see the commercials with you know horrible conditions for animals and. Um, and this movie certainly, uh, you know, portrays that, this documentary. Um, are, are the animals that you rescue, by and large, salvageable? Can they become, you know, well-behaved, decent uh, pets, or are they scarred for life? Oh, um, that's a good question. You know... Every animal is different. I have seen a dog um, who spent 10 years in a pen that was so cluttered and disgusting that she couldn't even see out of the pen. And she was very sick with heartworm disease, uh, which is treatable unless it's very, very advanced. And I, uh, her, her person was elderly and actually quite, quite sad, but I did have a heart-to-heart with her and she chose to let me have the dog whose name is Missy. And Missy, you know, you would think a dog who spent 10 years in a pen in isolation, in a prison, basically, with nothing, uh, would be too far gone. But this dog was like, she just started living her puppyhood at age 10 or 11. And we were able to find her a wonderful home with a retired couple in Florida, where she is, you know, enjoying, I mean, she's just like reverted to puppyhood. I can't say that for all the dogs we rescue. We see yeah. dogs who are scarred to the point where they they don't want to be. <laughs> you know, they can't be. Their spirits are broken. Um, and you will see do- a dog like that, at least one dog like that in the documentary, who, you know, stays with you forever because you, you could see in her eyes that she just, she, she couldn't... Um, this was a dog that is featured prominently in the documentary, and her name is Zena. And um, she didn't know what it was to be petted. You know, I went to pet her, and she flinched. Yeah, and mm. she was also, you know, some of these dogs just by virtue of being neglected, not just emotionally but physically, and being outside in their own surrounding, surrounded by their own waste and in their own waste, where. You know, it's internal parasites, external parasites, mosquitoes, fly strikes, and little by little, their bodies wear down. And um, so it, it really depends. I will say we do get a lot of animals who who come to us because they are at the end of their lives or suffering terribly. Um, and then we get some animals who are, you know, have gone mad from confinement and are dangerous. But we also get young animals, we get healthy animals, we get, you know, animals with, um, you know, that can be treated, and we are able to work with fantastic shelter placement partners in our area to get those animals a bright future. So PETA actually subsidizes medical care for the animals we get from the field when we transfer them, and many of them, you know, end up having wonderful lives as indoor companions some of them need a little bit of paw holding to get through emotional issues some of those dogs um 
you know, I have a dog who, you know, many dogs are afraid of thunder and she is terrified of thunder to the point that she needs to be uh, given medication, you know, and that's because she lived outside and who knows what she went through, you know, when it was storming. But is it, hope springs eternal for each and every one of them, you know. Is it is it harder to readjust animals that have been subject to abuse? I mean, beyond neglect, but physical abuse. Oh yeah, it's it's very it it takes it's you know if it can be done it it requires a tremendous amount of commitment from the adopter you know because you you have animals who you know just like people you know when we go through things that are that stay with us you know that they do too they do too and 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 their advantage of course is that they're inherently just trusting and they live in the moment what so, is what is the process from rescue to placement they they're well depending on you know their condition um they either come to our shelter first uh where they're assessed you know, they will have some time to kind of decompress and we can see how they're doing. The vast majority of healthy adoptable animals we take in don't spend much time with us because we transfer them for adoption to our local shelter partners um, who are a lifeline. I mean, they are just, we have some very, very good SPCAs we work with locally who, um, who take in animals, you know, with injuries and conditions that we subsidize their care, but you know they do the they do the care, so it's a lot, and they find wonderful homes. Um, and then we have you know other animals like I got a little um, a little Chihuahua mix who was tethered just a couple of weeks ago. Who you know it was very difficult to pry this dog away from the horrid conditions he was in because the man was very stubborn, but I. <laughs> I wore him down and we, we got this little dog who had been tethered outside through all weather extremes for at least three years. And, um, the, he ended up, we just put him in a foster home, but we had to evaluate him first. His nails were overgrown. He needed a bath. He smelled terrible and he's heartworm positive, um, which, you know, heartworm exists in the Midwest as well, but here in Virginia and North Carolina, it's, the weather is such that, you know, dogs have to be on heartworm prevention around the clock. And if they're not, and they live out, sorry, around the year, all year round. And if they live outdoors, if they're kept outdoors and they're not on it, they're going to get heartworm disease that comes from mosquitoes and they get it. And it's deadly if it's not treated. So this little dog went into foster care. He had a big attitude with other dogs, but we were able to place him in a home with no other dogs. Um, So for everyone, the, the process is different. This little dog also differed because he actually had a microchip, believe it or not. Mm. And it ended up, we tracked, you know, he, he was adopted from a shelter in Baltimore. Nobody knows how he ended up tethered in the middle of rural North Carolina. And I ended up talking to the woman who actually placed him. And she thought he was still in the home she placed him in several years ago. She had no idea how this happened. So this little dog, you know, I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy, you know, and I, I will say thank heavens for microchips. If people don't have their animals microchipped, this is, you know, this allowed us to sort of see, is there an owner out there who lost this dog three years ago and wants the dog back? I mean, you know, a variety yeah. of things can happen. So it's uh it's a very good thing to do because you, 
you know, it, it, it enables you to possibly get reunited with animals who have been missing for a long time. Are you familiar with the, with the halo system? I'm not. It's, um, it, it's, it's, it's a, a new version of um, the invisible fence, only oh. it doesn't use shock. And it's downloadable to your phone, and you can literally set up the boundaries anywhere. So if you wanted to take your dog to work, you can set a perimeter um, using the app on your phone. It's, it's, it's a um, uh, Caesar, uh, I can't think of his last name, um, the dog whisperer. Um, uh-huh, Caesar Milan. Yeah, Caesar Milan, thank you. Um he's mm-hmm. he's a supporter of this and works with these people in the development of this thing. There's a whole training thing that goes along with it. I think it's done I think it's done with audio tones. But it's um oh. a, a phenomenal new and and uh, much more humane way of uh setting up and establishing, you know, boundaries for people who want to take their dogs various places with them not just i will definitely look that up yeah look into it i think it's something you would find really interesting um we're just about out of time daphna but i always want to make sure that we give uh listeners an opportunity to know where they can go to find out more about PETA and breaking the chain is there a link to breaking the chain on the PETA website Yes, there is, and you can also just go to its own website. It's breakingthechainfilm.com, and yes, there's more information at PETA.org, and I do encourage everybody to take the hour to watch it. Please don't not watch it because you think it's going to be sad. Um, You know, some obviously some things that you see may be difficult to watch, but, you know, for us, it's nothing compared to what the animals are going through, whose lives we're depicting. And if at the end of this movie you learn something on how to make the world a better place, then it'll all be worth it. Yeah, see, I have such a tough time with those, Daphna, and I, I will try to watch. <laughs> but but I, I just I just find the way that that some people treat animals to be so disturbing. You know, it's, it's just... Um, it can be very uncomfortable to watch. It is uncomfortable to watch. It is uncomfortable to watch, and I, I feel that. I, I understand that, but I just, it, it, I mean, my own sister, you know, is watching the movie in increments, and I keep saying to her, just watch it, please. <laughs> you know, it's an hour. Um, I know it's difficult to watch, but these animals depend on us to watch it. You but, know? but it's important to have a better understanding of what's, it really is, and, it, and, and what to do, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it, it'll tell you how you can help make it so that less sadness is in our world, you know. And, and people should watch it because Angelica Houston said so. That's right. <laughs> if nothing else, Angelica said you must watch this film. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm content with Daphna's recommendation. Daphna <laughs> Nakminovich is a Senior Vice President at PETA. Um, Daphna, we're out of time, but thank you so much for spending this time with me, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. I so appreciate you having me on your show. Take care. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. This has happened to me, I bet, four or five times, and I'm sure it's happened to most of you. You're invited to someone's house you haven't seen for some time, and they have a dog. They have a large, vicious dog, you see. But they've had this dog since it was a puppy, and they're very proud of it, and they're completely unaware of the fact that it's now a large, vicious dog, you see. And... Uh, you're kind of on the horns of a dilemma because you don't know, uh, you know, you don't want to offend the guy by appearing ill at ease and at the same time you don't want to get eaten alive by this <laughs> large monster, see? So you're invited to the guy's house and usually it, it winds up the evening going uh, something like this. Oh, gee, this is a real nice place you got out here, Harry. Gee, I love this, love this chair. Modern, isn't it, yeah? It uh, seems kind of lonely out here, you know, there aren't too many houses around. I imagine it gets kind of lonely at night, doesn't it? Oh, you, you have a dog, do you? Oh, sure, I'd, I'd love to see him. Uh, where is he? In? in the backyard? Sure, let him in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hi, hi there, fella. Hi. Hi, boy. Boy, he's uh, a lot heavier than he looks, isn't he, Harry? <laughs> well, he, well, he can keep you pinned to the chair like that with just his two front paws. <laughs> You, uh, you just beat him, did you, Harry? Uh, uh, what'd you get, Mary? L- liver. Yeah. I, I thought that's what it was, Harry. <laughs> he, uh, he starts to bother me, just cuff him behind the ear. I sure will, Harry. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> what, uh, what, what kind of dog is he, Harry? Doberman, is, is that right? <laughs> See, they, they make great watchdogs, don't they? Ne- nearly tore the burglar to pieces before you could get him off. <laughs> Hi there, fella. Hi, boy. <laughs> boy, you're a pretty dog. <laughs> what, I, what I like a what, Harry? A drink. Yeah, a drink would be fine, Harry. Uh, scotch and water. Uh, you aren't going to have to leave the room, are you, Harry? <laughs> Hi there, fella. Hi. Hi, boy. I don't suppose you want to get down, boy, do you? Just, just stay like this. You want to play a little game, boy? You want, want to chase the fountain pen, boy? Chase, chase the fountain pen, boy. There you go, boy. Boy, you're a fast little dog, aren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> want, to, want to get me back the fountain pen, boy? Don't, don't want to give me back the pen, huh, boy? <laughs> Chew it up good. That's the way, boy. <laughs> Swallow it, boy. Maybe it'll stick in your... <laughs> I, 
Hi, Harry. Yeah, yeah, we're getting, we're getting along just fine. No, no, he doesn't bother me at all. Oh, all right, well, if you want to tell him to get down. Hi there, fella. Hi, boy. Well, he sure looks harmless just laying there on the floor, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he chewed my fountain pen, Harry. <laughs> kind of looks like a chow there with that blue tongue, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, oh, my drink, yeah. What, what, what'd I do, Harry? Any, any sudden movements, is that right? Uh-uh. He, he was trained that way, was he? Uh-uh. Where'd you get him from, Harry? The army. <laughs> Who's army, Harry? <laughs> Why'd they let him go, Harry? Don't, don't tell me what he did to the general, Harry, would you? Uh, it, it was the general's fault, though. Uh, he, he acted afraid of the dog, did he? Uh, and, and they can sense that, is that right? Uh, just just to appear, appear at ease on that. That'll make him relax. Uh, that, 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 that sure makes a lot of sense, Eric. Or you just uh, cross your legs or, or say, a little too sudden was that, Harry? Let go, Mike. Let go, Mike. <laughs> oh, no, no. Don't be silly. <laughs> no, the suit's almost a month old, Harry. Don't be silly. <laughs> no, he, he, he hardly, hardly broke the skin, Harry. <laughs> uh, would I like to see him what? Do his trick. What's, what's his trick, Harry? Roll over. Play dead, maybe, Harry? No. Make, make my hand into a fist and act like I'm going to attack you. <laughs> I, I believe you, Harry. I believe hey, Listen, Harry, I've got to be going. I, I, no, no, I don't need any more ice, Harry. Harry, don't, don't take... I, I, don't, I don't need any... Harry... Hi there, fella. Hi, boy. What, what, are you, what are you growling at, boy? The gumdrops? You want, you want some of the gumdrops, boy? Hey, hey. Boy, you don't even chew it, do you, fella? <laughs> you want, want some more gumdrops, boy, do you? More, more gumdrops, fella. Yeah, hi, Harry. Oh, we're getting along fine now. We're real pals. Uh, well, he, he sure loves those gumdrops, doesn't he? Uh, only, only trouble is, when they're all gone, he doesn't understand. <laughs> they're, they're almost gone now, Harry. You, you, want to, you want to fill the dish up with some more gumdrops? You don't have any more gumdrops. So last one, boy, all gone. Last, last one. Let go, boy. Boy, let go. Where's he dragging me, Harry? Harry, get some more gumdrops. Harry, Harry! This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Now, 
when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better <coughs> Now back in 1918 influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. The Tom Summer Program.com. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests, Daphne Nakminovich from uh, PETA, and before that we uh, got some holiday tips from um, Jason Gaughan from Bank of America. And uh, we started off this morning with a, an interesting conversation with the uh, author of Bathing Kitty and Other Mischievous Poems from L.W. Lewis. Uh, Lenny writes uh, for uh, young readers and, and tries to get them hooked on reading through some humorous uh, or mischievous, uh, mischievous uh, poems, rather. Um, anyway, thanks to all my guests today. Thank you for uh, tuning in and listening. we got a great show tomorrow. It's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics. Our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, will be joined by... Uh, Jan Worth Nelson this week. And uh, before that, uh, in the first hour of the show tomorrow, we're going to talk with a journalist uh, slash author of a new young reader's adaption of the award-winning adult book, The Lemon Tree, An Arab, a Jew, and the Heart of the Middle East. Very interesting conversation. I hope you'll tune in for it. In the meantime, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.